0: This week marked the end of what was truly an experiment within the Star Wars universe. Disney had given the Clone Wars heroine Ahsoka Tano her own show, which played out over seven weeks and eight episodes. The Ahsoka series was an experiment in that it brought Ahsoka and the Rebels crew out from the animated realm and into live action. It took characters that had developed an intense and loyal following over the years and continued their stories on a wider stage and for a mainstream audience. It replaced computer-generated models with flesh-and-blood actors and used sets and LED sound stages as its backdrop. Many believe the characters of the Clone Wars and Rebels will play a major part in the future of Star Wars and with so much uncertainty around the direction of the franchise for the next few years, I think there was more riding on the success of the Ahsoka series than most fans and viewers realize. When it comes to the show, there are a lot of elements to digest. And a lot to process. Showrunner Dave Filoni introduced a number of new ideas about Star Wars and he used the live-action series to build upon the complex lore he first established in the animated shows. And some elements were brilliantly executed, and others? Frustrating and disappointing. Now that we have all the episodes in front of us, I'm excited to watch the series in its entirety, and without having to wait a week for the next chapter. I'm curious to know whether revisiting the show will provide me with a deeper appreciation for it, or if certain characters and plot points will falter under further examination. Still, one of the best parts about watching a Star Wars series is the conversations around the content. And often, those passionate and dynamic discussions occur with our friends and fellow Star Wars obsessives. The night after the Ahsoka finale premiered, I sat down for a chat with five dear friends who love the character of Ahsoka Tano and the animated series, to make sense of what we witnessed on the small screen this week. This is an in-depth and insightful conversation about the Ahsoka Season 1 finale. This is another roundtable chat with the wonderful Ahsokaholics crew. And this is Star Wars Prototypes and Production. In November of 2020, I contacted Chris Letty, Will Russ, Clifton Boggs, FJD Roberts, and Fons Napolitano about doing a roundtable discussion for the podcast. The six of us were Ahsoka fans who shared an appreciation for Star Wars and collecting. And with Ahsoka rumored to make an appearance in the second season of The Mandalorian at the end of that year, I thought it would be the perfect opportunity to discuss our Ahsoka fandom at length together. That simple idea turned into a years-long friendship between the six of us. After the two-part conversation about Ahsoka and the collectibles of the Clone Wars and Rebels in Episodes 34 and 35, we recorded a number of roundtable chats for the podcast, sharing stories of what made Star Wars and the community so connective. And somewhere along the way, Fonz cleverly dubbed our group the Ahsoka-holics. And as the Ahsoka live-action series came to a close this week on Disney+, Plus, the six of us gathered around the table again for a chat. This time, we wanted to unpack the Ahsoka finale together, to discuss what worked and what didn't for each of us. We wanted to talk theories and the possible directions for the next chapter of Ahsoka. And really... We wanted to catch up as a group, to laugh together, and to delve into a Star Wars story together. And we wanted you to join us. We've saved you a seat at the table, so pour yourself your favorite beverage, make sure to feed your loth cat, and let's discuss the Season 1 Ahsoka finale with Fonz, FJ, Clifton, Will, and Chris. Gentlemen, it has been way too long. I'm so excited for this. I know we've been talking about this for a while and we're finally making it happen. The series ended last night, the uh, first season of The Ahsoka Show. And, um, I think we have so much to talk about. So before we get into it, um, I, I think we should just go around the round table and uh, I want you guys just to introduce yourself, uh, and just to, uh, to tell us your favorite character from The Ahsoka series after watching these eight episodes. So, Chris, we'll start with you.
1: Sure. Chris Letty uh, from Six Scale Scavengers podcast, as well as collecting tracks. Um, So for this season of Ahsoka, um, even though this character was only featured in the last few episodes, um, the character and the actor really stuck out for me. And that was uh, one Ezra Bridger.
2: Yes, I'm Clifton Boggs, and um, I do agree with Chris. Um, I think Ezra Bridger was so close to the Rebels uh, character.
3: Another nice one. F.J. D. Robert here, and I have to (laughs) make it a third on that. He definitely, for me, seemed the most, Ezra, seemed the most like any character for Rebels out of all of the actors in the show. So he's definitely my number one.
0: I think it was surprising um, how good he was, and I don't think anyone really expected it. It's pretty cool. Uh, all right. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm Fonz Apolitano.
4: Uh Other than Ahsoka, I would say my favorite character is Hu
0: Yang. Uh, it's a really good one, played by David Tennant of um, Doctor Who fame, and uh, he also did the voice of Hu Yang in the Clone Wars series, so...
5: Really, and you know, another good one. And finally, Will. Uh, Will Russ uh, and I'm going to echo Fawn's. Uh, out of all of the characters, even though I agree with the rest of the roundtable, Ezra was the best cast from the Rebels crew. Yang stood out the most for me.
0: Okay, um, I think I think I'm going to take a little different approach. I was I was going to go with Ezra, but I think I'll just add to the mix. Um, Balin. A uh, Balin skull was the the actor Ray Stevenson was incredible, and um, from you know from the moment we see him to to the very you know last sequence that he's in. I mean, he just uh, as far as the final role before he passed away, pretty incredible. So um, we had a great cast, a great great uh you know really interesting series, and uh, so I figure we'll just go into it. Um, I just want to give you all and 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 everyone listening just uh, some of the plot points of this series finale. Um, so it starts out where the great sisters, the, 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 um, the sisters, welcome Morgan in, into the fold, uh, and they give her the Blade of Talzin, which is uh, Mother Talzin. Um, and then from there, uh, it cuts to a scene with Hu Yang where Ezra's building a lightsaber, um, and there's a really you know, key moment there as well, too. Um, Sabine leaves that room and, and goes to talk to Ahsoka on the wing of, of the ship. And Ahsoka vows to stand by Sabine's side no matter what. Um, and, and it's really you know, one of the first big changes we see in their relationship. Uh, then the Jedi trio races to Thrawn's ship. And um, after a battle um, with two TIE fighters, they race to Thrawn's ship. Uh, they battle some of the night troopers who turn out to be a little different than the Stormtroopers that we've seen before uh, for some really interesting reasons that we'll get into in a little bit. Um, Sabine uses the force for the first time after trying for the entire series, and then um, she manages to help Ezra basically get across from the, the, uh, the top of the temple into Thrawn's starship, the Chimera, and, uh, through a force push. And then Ezra's going to pull her um, up onto the, the ship as well, but she decides to stay back and to help uh, Ahsoka as Ahsoka's battling Morgan morgan Elsbeth. um the so after ahsoka defeats morgan um she and sabine um jump into the uh, their starship and they race after thrawn to um to to basically follow him and, and i guess to get onto the ship and thrawn flees the galaxy with the aid of the hyperspace ring that morgan had delivered to him um ahsoka and sabine return to peridia uh, they join the uh, the Nodi, or the, the Nadi, uh, which is the group of these little turtles in waistcoats, if you will, <laughs> kind of uh, crazy little creatures. And then um, meanwhile, Ezra's on the chimera, and he steals a ship, and he returns home where he meets, uh, re- he's reunited with Hera for the first time. Then we see Shinhati and she joins a scavenger group, I guess, looking to become um, the head of that group on Peridia and then we we also then see Balin's skull as he's on his own path and um there's a really interesting connection there that we'll go into later and then um it the series ends season one with Ahsoka seeing the force ghost of her master Anakin Skywalker um so if if you guys uh if you guys were to rate this like Chris if you were going to rate um the the finale from a one to a ten what would you give it?
1: Uh, I it's been close to my rating for the whole season. Um, but I'm, I'm hovering right around an 8.5 out of ten.
0: I think that's fair. I think there's been a lot in there that's, that's given us uh, some excitement. So an 8.5 is not bad, especially for Filoni's first time. Um, how about you Clifton?
2: Um, I'm a little lower. I'm around about a seven, seven, two ish. Um, I don't know, just, I thought it was going to go somewhere way different.
0: I did too. But it is what it is. Yeah, yeah, and, and this is only season one, so you never know. Um, FJ, are you, uh, are you higher or lower than Chris and Clifton?
3: Uh, I'm kind of like in the middle of that. So I originally was kind of like an 8.5, and then I think after the finale, um,
0: I'm down to like an eight. So the finale was a step down for you, a little bit, yeah. Okay. Uh, is there any any reason in particular?
3: I think it's just it just felt kind of like rushed, and I'm not saying I disliked it because, of course, I still loved it. But I think it just felt like there was just so much going on, and it, and there were just I left with like more questions than answers, and um, and I think that's kind of just where I'm at.
0: Okay, FJ. I'm going to ask this to you and to the rest of the group as well, too. Um, we sort of saw the same thing with the Mandalorian season three. You know, where a, a, one of the biggest complaints about the series was that it was so back ended. Um, is that something that you are, are? Are we seeing that with the the larger um, live action Star Wars series?
3: Uh, I think what needs to happen is they they need to have like seasons with more episodes. I think like having this like eight episode standard is, I think if they stretched it out over 12 or more episodes, we would have really been able to like get a little bit more development of the story and not feel so rushed with stuff. So that's where I kind of see it. I feel like I wish there was more. Um, I wish we kept going a little bit.
4: I guess I would be around a seven as well. And I think because, And I agree with F.J., there was so much going on. And at the end of the episode, we were probably left with more questions than answers. But I also think, I think initially it was said that, you know, you could watch Ahsoka without watching Clone Wars or Rebels. And I completely disagree based on, you know, a lot of stuff uh, that we saw. I think you definitely needed in order to really appreciate it. And I, I think I think you know it was for a certain set of fans and I enjoyed it and I liked it. But I think um, you know, you really needed the background of Rebels and Clone Wars in order to really understand completely what was going on, especially with the World Between Worlds and you know, the Mortis references. I, I, I don't I don't see how somebody who never saw
0: you know, those shows would, would understand what was going on. And Fonz, you bring up a great point because I, I think we were all led to believe that as long as you had a general understanding of star Wars, uh, that you didn't need to see these series because they were, they were doing for Ahsoka, what they did with the Mandalorian, right? Where they were just kind of making it um, available to a wider audience in live action. Um, Did anyone here, watch it with either a significant other or somebody who is maybe not as well-versed in the world of star Wars.
5: I did. I, uh, I made it a point to watch it with my brother, um, who just has a cursory knowledge of the original trilogy. Um, and somehow my dad got into it, which I'm, I'm happy, but he knows hardly anything. I made the comment to him that, uh, I really feel for you watching the finale cuz you're going to be lost and you're going to have questions and he's like I really don't most of it has made sense um the war between or world between worlds threw him a little bit once I explained it to him he's like oh okay um I I guess I would kind of echo though what FJ and Pauls were saying there um I feel the same way about the overall series like I did with Rise of Skywalker. Too much going on, compressed into too finite of a eight-episode deal. I would have been much happier with an Andor type. Here's 12 episodes. We're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to give you another 12 to bookend that. And in that time period, you know— with Andor, they told us, you're going to get this beginning part of the story, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to bridge you right up to Rogue One. I was hoping, for especially hindsight 2020, we would have gotten more Ray Stevenson. We could have explored Valen. Um, I will say I, I have high aspirations that they get a voice actor, and come in and do a Tales of the Jedi around valen because I feel that that storyline was so strong, so, uh, the, the conviction in his portrayal, it just left me wanting more, and the way that they did it, they saved it for the last three minutes of the show, gave him a minute, and for those of us that have watched Clone Wars and have watched Rebels. It that was an that was an oh crap moment for for those of us who followed the the lore. Overall, I give it a solid eight, and I say that because there were certain episodes that I would be a five or six. And then there were two episodes that were 9, 9.5. So it was kind of hit or miss for me overall as a series, although I did love the series.
0: Okay, so it, it sounds like it wasn't um, a slam dunk by any means for any of us. Um, I'm, I'm sort of in, in the same place where you guys are. Um, I think – I think I might actually be lower than most. I'm sort of probably around like a 6.5 or a seven, um, just because I, I think they could have gone to different places. Um, and some of it for me was a disappointment and will, like you just said, others were, were really beautiful. Um, you guys had mentioned too, that some of the characters were, uh, were not as developed or some of the story points were not as developed. So going into the, the finale, um, Let's see, uh, Fons. Do you do you feel that Morgan was developed enough as a character? Did you did you like her as a villain? Um, you know, she had worked in um, the the first appearance of Ahsoka in season two of The Mandalorian. Did she work as well, or did she did she work as a villain in this series?
4: I don't know. She never really seemed threatening to me. Um, she seemed to be, you know, kind of whatever Thrawn says that's what i do she you know she got bossed around by her or she seemed to get bossed around by him i i never saw her as 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 you know a uh, someone that you had to worry about um she didn't seem very threatening you know yeah she was a night sister but i didn't find her to be Based on the way that her character was developed, I didn't find her to be threatening. Um, She didn't seem to be much of a an adversary
0: for Ahsoka. At least I didn't think so. No, and it seemed like you know they introduced the the blade of Towson, which was you know from a a story point was was pretty interesting because it it's a callback to Mother Towson from the Clone Wars, and it just sounded like this was going to be. Not only you know a really uh, interesting matchup, but that it was going to go much longer um, beyond season one. Um, FJ, if you had a character like this, is there anything that you would have done differently with Morgan?
3: I think make her more menacing, Um, and then you know just having her all of a sudden become like a night sister. Just I don't know, it wasn't very much of a transition. It was just um, a little quick. And then I don't think that she seemed much different when she became the Night Sister. Just her voice was a little bit different. So I would have liked to have seen uh, that transition be stronger where she became more menacing and more evil. I didn't, it just, she just seemed like she had dark eyes to me when she <laughs> changed it over to that.
0: Sure. And her face got a little dirtier. That was it. Yeah, exactly. So, Clifton, speaking of the Night Sisters, what did you think of their introduction into live action, especially, you know, again, as you being a clone Wars fan,
2: I thought it was one of the many weaknesses of the series. They were not, um, they weren't creepy, scary, you know, they didn't really feel that witchy to me compared to if you would go back to the clone Wars. Um, I don't know. They just it it wasn't there for me. It felt like I was watching uh, an actual Disney show, The Witches.
0: Yeah, they seem to be based more on the witches in Macbeth rather than these almost, I'll say, demonic spirits that we saw in in Clone Wars, where they were a little bit feral and 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 much more dangerous.
2: You know, with the Clone Wars, they were almost like just these screaming banshees, and and they were really creepy uh, episodes when they were in there. But when these three ladies showed up, it was just like, eh, we're here, we know something, and that's about it.
1: I'll I'll add to that. I mean, their their essential power set is pretty uh, significant with what they can do using the force um through this witchcraft and everything it would have been cool to get some more of those abilities yeah they they pinpointed ahsoka they you know they're doing you know some some lower level stuff here and there but uh yeah like clifton said i mean this uh part of the show and many other parts of the show it's like they could have amped it up a little bit more, um, with, you know, the, the particular character's abilities or say, you know, the, the fight scene, the sequence, you know, some different elements could have really, you know, the, the, uh, create, you know, the creative team involved with the show. I mean, it's almost like they played it safe a lot of the time. But I mean that that being said i mean i do I did enjoy the series overall quite a bit, but I feel like these are the types of risks that the um that Lucasfilm and Disney need to take on these series to make them feel like they have more weight and more substance, and you know not just have everything on this like you know fine line and they're not going to go too far one way, too far the other. Um, I think that's what a lot of fans, you know, they they want to see something different. But within the Star Wars universe, Um, we did get a lot of those things, but I feel like they can definitely push it further going forward with uh, with the Star Wars content.
5: I felt that there was... And I don't want to be the negative Nelly here, but I felt there was a lot of fan service and a lot of nods to those of us who have committed to the full picture of the animation and the comics and the, the whole of Star Wars. Um, there's a part of me that wonders if maybe Disney and them put the brakes on... For some of the stuff that he wanted to do, and go, no, we don't necessarily want to go that far. Um, I enjoyed the progression of the Night Sisters. And I think the reason that I do like it was because they were nods. They were things that I didn't expect in the series. So when it came on, I got that jolt of yes, and then was kind of deflated. Um, I was really happy that they kind of introduced the green flames a little bit more. I, I guess I expected that from the onset when Morgan was, you know, turning stuff on. Um, but overall, yeah, I have to agree with everyone. That was one of the weaker plot lines that. They showed us in this series. So we were, ba- what you guys are saying is
0: basically that we were getting more set dressing or set pieces rather than, um, than having Lucasfilm go all in with these types of characters. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, I know that one of the comments about the show has been somewhat with the pacing, one of the issues – Um, and I, I think we saw a little of that with the, um, with the finale as well too. Um, but a lot of times, you know, we get these big bombastic moments. Um, and then there are times where we sort of miss out on those little scenes that, you know, especially for a show like Rebels made Rebels so connective. Um, and I think the sequence after this, after the, the, the title sequence, um, was, uh, was one of these special moments, right? And it was when um when Ezra's building his lightsaber with hu yang um and, and there was something really special in there um Cliff, I was wondering if you could just talk a little bit about that and if you were affected by by that moment
2: you know, I thought it was a very special moment just because you know he saved that part for kanan's apprentice or or you know if Kanan needed it years down the road and I really thought that was great that uh his lightsaber is built very close to Canaan's.
0: I think it was something special too. So, so what you're talking about in this part, Clifton was that, um, as, as Ezra is kind of rummaging through everything that, that, um, Hu Yang has that he is looking for basically like a, a the, the perfect tip, part. Yeah. The tip of the hilt. And, um, once Hu Yang understands that he had studied under Canaan, he pulls out the, I guess he had made two, um, two of those particular hilts and, And then um, he had given one to Kanan and where Kanan chose that one. And then, um, you know, he had basically saved this, this second one. Um, FJ, what was it like hearing the name Kanan, you know, especially coming from Rebels? What was it like hearing that? Refreshing.
3: Like, yeah, great. Um, And just even seeing like Ezra's reaction to that. um, Yeah. I love that part. It makes you want more. No, nope, we're never going to see him again. <laughs> but uh, I, yeah, it, that was definitely a good kind of pull-at-your-heart kind
5: of moment. I would have liked to have seen more of a conversation between Hu Yang and Ezra. I didn't need Sabine to be there for that. It felt pulled out that she's just sitting by the wall and, oh, it's Canaan, and then walks off. <laughs>
0: Well, I think they did that because they wanted to show uh, the the difference, you know, in the relationship between Ezra and Kanan and Sabine and Ahsoka and how low Sabine feels at this moment, you know, and, and how far Ezra has risen um, as a Jedi, right? Under the tutelage of of Kanan, who didn't even know if he could actually train somebody. Um, Fonz, do you feel like, so this particular scene, do you feel like it... Um, it helped the finale, you know, and, and helped the momentum of the finale? Or do you feel like it slowed it down for you?
4: Well, I, th- I think it was good that Kanan finally got some recognition in the show. I mean, they bar- I think they mentioned him briefly in one of the other episodes. And, of course, you saw Jason and, you, you know, Hera. Um, but I think that Kanan finally got some... Uh, It, it established how important Canaan was to Ezra, and how, you know, potentially Ezra is still affected by his master, or the, you know, the the,
0: the how he's uh, influenced by the relationship that they had. Okay, yeah, it's a pretty easy way to highlight Canaan without giving this exposition dump, you know, or just like this, (laughs) bringing out an easel and and explaining exactly, you know, Kanan's, uh, who Kanan was and why. So yeah. Yeah, uh, We
4: didn't didn't need everything, but we needed to know why he was important or, you know.
0: Yeah, well said.
2: If I'm not mistaken, was that the first time that Ezra touched a lightsaber? I believe it was. In the series? Uh, Yes. Okay. So, and I, I think, it was supposed to be powerful, just because you know he was building it for uh, for him and for Kanan, but uh, it didn't need to be there.
0: You're saying you didn't think the sequence needed to be in the finale. I don't. It. Did, I don't know.
2: I. I have to watch it all again. But uh, I did enjoy it. I, I enjoyed a lot all of it, but. I had to go into it differently because it didn't feel like Ahsoka's show. It didn't feel like Rebels or Clone Wars. It was just all smushed and then, I don't know, twirled around, I guess.
0: That's a really good point, too, because I know that people have been saying that, you know, maybe Ahsoka should not have been the title character within this, this series. Um, and someone even pointed to the idea that maybe Andor shouldn't have been the title character in his own series; that it should have been more, uh, you know, focused on the the beginning of the rebellion, right? But um, that's interesting. Yeah, and I'd, I'd never seen it from that perspective. Where it's true, it felt it felt like a re- like a continuation of Rebels, but not completely, and it felt like a continuation of Ahsoka's story, but she was not really the focus. Um you know, it felt like a little bit of everything and they would revisit, you know, these pieces and then the pieces would sort of disappear. Um, it kind sh- of
2: felt like, sorry, David. Um, no. It kind of felt like the last season of the bad batch where it just jumped around so much. And it seems like that's what they're doing with all of their series. Now it's just jumping because they're trying to fit so many people in and I'm just guessing they're getting ready for the movie. The Mandalorian. That's just that's just my guess. They're setting it all up.
4: Well, they called the Soka miniseries, right? Like, is is that what they called it? Right? Filoni always kept referring to it as a miniseries. Like, he wouldn't say it's a it's a season of Ahsoka. He would say, "Oh, it's the miniseries, Ahsoka.
3: I thought that too, and but if you look at it, didn't say um, like series finale. It, if you look on Disney Plus, it's the season finale. So I don't know if that was a little hint that they're. Thinking about more But I know that movie Is supposed to not be That far away So I don't know how You're going to do Another season of this Another season of Mando And then Then make this movie So I, I my, The timing is off for me I'm not seeing Where they're going with that
0: Sorry the er, No the, the earliest that we would get And um, The Dave Filoni movie Right I mean The only thing he's called Is like a culmination Of the Mando verse. But the only the, the, the soonest we would get it Would be 2027 um, yeah. And it looks more like 2029 Jumping back into the, uh, the finale. So, um, FJ right after that, Sabine, she leaves the room, um, and she, she heads outside where she meets up with her master and she gets to talk to Ahsoka. Um, how was that scene for you?
3: Um, I think it was just okay. Um, I think it was nice to see Ahsoka a little bit, like much more relaxed with her and more, um, Open to her and and not so antagonistic with her, um. So that I think just kind of seeing that relationship progress a, a little bit, um, and just to see where that goes, you know, I, I think if they do another season, I think that's going to be a big part of it. Their, you know, their bonding and their relationship and the master and apprentice.
0: After you mentioned, and I think this is a key point too that. The relationship between Sabine and Ahsoka has been really icy, um, almost to the point where I think people were worried that, or people felt that it, it wasn't um, strong enough as far as either the acting or that there were just too many pauses between their sentences. Um, do you feel like we just we got too much of that um, throughout the series, or do you feel like it it sort of in this finale kind of it earned the the, the chance for reconciliation, like it did?
3: Um, I think it earned it. I just, I, I found myself actually in the beginning of the series getting a little, I don't know. I, it just, the the Ahsoka that I knew, I didn't feel like she would be like that to Sabine, you know, she was always much more lighthearted. And I I mean, granted she's probably been through a lot, um, since then, but, um, it did, I guess with her, everything she went through with Anakin in that episode, was an episode five um, or six, uh, I think that changed her perspective, obviously, whether she's you know Ahsoka the White now. But I think reconciling with Anakin in that episode changed her perspective with Sabine and understanding that she made decisions. Uh, Ahsoka made decisions in her past, like leaving the Jedi Order, so she can now maybe like, understand a little bit about why Sabine made the choice that she made and not be as angry with her. So I think that was a good you know transition into that. It worked for me.
0: Do you, as a viewer and as a fan, do you personally wish it came earlier or, or are you happy with the arc the way it is within the season?
3: Um, I kind of wish it came earlier, I think. Because like I said, it just kept pulling me away from the Ahsoka that I knew a little bit, um, the way she was with towards Sabine. So I think I wish it came a little bit earlier.
0: Yeah, I got you, me too. Um, Chris, I know that you had... You had gotten to see uh, episode five in theaters, um, which we're all, we're all jealous. That's, that's pretty awesome. Um, but this sequence where Sabine and Ahsoka are are talking and and you know really reconciling, um, it it felt like it was another part of the finale of episode five. You know, as someone who saw it in the theater and and had really you know enjoyed it. Um, did you feel that way about this scene or was it just kind of another piece that moved on to the, to the next scene?
1: No, I, I think it was an important, uh, interaction between the two characters and Ahsoka having gone through everything with Anakin in the world between worlds and what he was trying to, um, you know, essentially break her in, you know, get it out of her, the, the fear and, and, you know, everything that she was holding um, tight to her chest, you know, internally and, and struggling with her relationship and um, mentoring of Sabine once all that stuff cleared, um, I think it, it just, you know, opened up Ahsoka's eyes and and we obviously see her demeanor and, and everything, the way she's thinking, the way she's interacting, the way she's talking. It's all much more um, calculated and straightforward. And when she's talking with Sabine in this moment, she's showing her that, you know, she's here for her. And she's not going to be holding back because of unknowns and fears and things in the past. She's, she's going to, you know, be that master that Sabine needs, um, whether or not, you know, for, for me, it worked in the moment. I think the progression over the season had its misses, um, and, and hits, um, story-wise, uh, I think, you know, like Will saying, you know, he wished it was a longer season, you know, everybody else, you know, feeling similarly, like you could have gotten to that point earlier. And then the two of them could have been in this place together for maybe the course of a, a few episodes instead of just getting it, you know, basically in this one. Um, you know, I think, you yeah, know, that's that's sometimes the unfortunate part to these the way these stories are told. Um some stuff seems too drawn out, some stuff s- seems too quick, and uh it's it's taking a while for <laughs> Star Wars, you know, Lucasfilm to get these formulas right to make some of these series um work maybe a little bit better for um you know majority of fans.
5: See, I may be the naysayer here, but from episode one until about the last 20 minutes of the season finale, Sabine never did it for me. All of the, A lot of the other character I mean, I understood where they were going with Ahsoka. There was a progression. She had to meet Anakin in the world between worlds for her to get the monkey off of her back. I got that. And we saw that. I mean, there was a physical change to her as we came out of episode five into episode six throughout the remainder. Um, the only time that I actually really cared about Sabine was her fighting skills. Other than that, it just, it pulled me out of the Thought process that I went into Ahsoka with it was billed as season five of Rebels and let's get some closure to some of this and I, I was I, I was frustrated with uh, Natasha's portrayal it didn't seem Sabine and I and I only say that because I binged watched four seasons of Rebels. Again, as a refresher, right before this started. And I just never got that connection with the Rebels character versus the live action. Um, And I say that loosely because it wasn't just that. I thought there were some missteps um, on Filoni's part. Zeb should have been there. Even if it was just... I mean, if you're going to say it's Rebels Season 5, we need to hear what's going on with those characters. They showed us Zeb in Mando, and then all they said is, well, he's off recruiting, so we don't need to worry about him. Um, I thought Chopper was very underused until the very end. So I mean that that is my biggest gripe, and 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 it's a personal thing because it was my head canon. That's what I had already expected to see, and I didn't get that.
0: Fonz, I know you're not the biggest fan of Canon, uh, but I don't know where you stand on Sabine. Um, it, when when Sabine finally is able to use the Force and she summons the lightsaber to her when she defeats the um, the the Night Trooper Zombie, um, did that work for you? Did Did you buy into the fact that she was able to use the Force by that point?
4: Yeah, that was fine. I, I didn't think, you know, I, eventually she was going to be able to use the Force. Um, you know, Ahsoka, at least previously, had felt that she was worthy of being an apprentice, so obviously she had some skill. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, and, and she continued to try to use it throughout this, this season and you know, it finally worked and
0: I was okay with that. Okay. Um, did, did any of you have an issue with it or was it, um, did you feel like it was a, a, a an earned part of the story? I was kind of
3: against it up until the whole, like, up till this episode it was one thing that I thought kind of worked for me. Um, I did not want her to have force abilities and I, I just thought, you know, that that's the kind of the cool thing about Jedi, right. Is that you're sort of born, um, into that. Um, but then just, I don't know how they did it. It it worked for me. Like the lightsaber grab worked for me. I did think though, her, her throwing Ezra like to the ship, was a little extreme because she just started using her force abilities and then all of a sudden she's able to do this like amazing
0: power so it, it like half worked for me and half didn't that makes sense yeah that that's one of the questions i actually wanted to ask all of you um i think you know we we saw kanan and ezra do the force pushing bit in rebels and we saw it also with um with ezra and maul um and it seemed to work in there did it actually was it? And this is another question of was it earned? But was the yeah, FJ? I agree with you. I think I think it went a little fast. You know, as far as uh, from her not being able to use the force at all to then going okay, now I'm going to force push you across. But uh, but what did you guys think?
4: Well, she used the force. I, I don't think that she, I I don't think that that was her first a uh, demonstration of using the force. I mean, she heard a call to her, you know, clearly she has, um, tremendous skill with the lightsaber or the blaster. So, and, you know, I get it who Yang said, you know, she's got a low midichlorian count or whatever it was, but, uh, you know, I, I, I think she uses the force in a different way than a lot of the other, than some of the other Jedi do. And, um, you know, and I and I think you can see that when she uh she may need the motivation to use the force. You know, she needs she may might need to be motivated to use it. So, you know, when, when she's in a real tough situation or or um you know, her friends are in trouble, then she's able to use it or or maybe she was able to use the force because of uh you know the the entity that lives on uh the planet. What is it? pridia right? pridia Is that is that the name of the yes, planet? Yes, mm-hmm. You know, so maybe maybe she was able to tap into something there. Um so yeah, I I wasn't, I didn't have a problem with her using the force at all. I, I, I think she, I mean, she clearly deflects blaster bolts like crazy with the lightsaber. So, um, you know, I think that's a demonstration of the use of the force. Maybe she only can use it when she's
0: pressed. When do you think, so you're mentioning a number of, of points in which she could be using the force that, maybe we're not focused on because we're so focused on her moving that cup in that first scene you know and and if we see that that's not happening and then when she's in um the the um the, the prison cell um on the camera and she's you know trying to open the door with the force and it's not working so we're focused on that and maybe Dave Filoni and company have been showing us that she's been able to use the force maybe when she's not focused on it but just reacting
4: that, uh, that's what I think, you know, it's, it's in her head to use the force. So, you know, when she's thinking about using the force, uh, she can't use it. You know, it's, it's like, uh, uh, what Crash Davis said to Nuka Lelouch, don't think it can only hurt the ball club. So, um, you know, I think that, you know, sometimes you can think too much and that affects your performance. But if you just are reacting to something, then, you know,
0: sometimes you perform better. We see this with NFL quarterbacks all the time where, when they go from um, playing in a quarter to all of a sudden doing the, the two minute drill where they have to speed everything up and they can't think all of a sudden they're able to perform better a lot of times. Um, so, you know, did, did we see that? Was it a, a thing of, she just knew that she had to get Ezra up and onto that ship and wasn't concerned with if she could do it, but just figured, I have to do it. I I
4: think that's how I took it, at least, you know, that she's not a, uh, she, you know, if she thinks about it, she can't use the force. But if she just reacts to something, and she's in the moment, and she knows she needs to do something, then it, it just comes to her because she knows she needs
0: it. Okay, I can see that. I think you changed my mind on that. I mean, I I believed it. I just felt like the jump from grabbing a lightsaber, you know, reaching through the force and grabbing a lightsaber to force pushing uh, a human being, a grown adult uh, across was was a a very fast jump. It happened within like a, a minute and 30 seconds. But yeah, okay. Well, you know, let's talk <laughs> about Ray. Sure, absolutely. We've seen it with Ray. We've seen even a little <laughs> bit with yeah, different characters in the Star Wars universe recently. Um, Clifton, I have a very serious question for you. So, on, on a very serious note right now, if we can all just kind of bring it in for a second um, zombies in Star Wars, how does that work? Well,
2: we'll go back to the Night Sisters. Do you remember when uh they brought out all the all the dead to battle a bunch of Jedi, right? And I, I think Grievous,
0: Grievous was there as well.
2: Grievous was there. I can't it's been so long since I've watched it, so I can't remember who all is there. But uh so, you know, when I saw these, are these remnant, real remnant stormtroopers? Because they're I don't know. They're when I, when I first saw them, I was like, oh, these are all dead people. So were they dead for real before that? Or were they, were they zombies and then they died and then they reincarnated them again or reanimated?
5: I think they were soldiers to begin with. And when they died, they brought them back.
2: Okay. See, in the very beginning when I saw him and I was like, you know, Thrawn went through a lot to get there. You know, he said his army was dwindling uh, and he didn't he say something about rebuilding the army there. So I was like, all right, these three sisters brought back all the dead. But I could be wrong. Like. I knew it was coming because everybody wanted once zombies in Star Wars, now we got it.
5: I liked how they actually Ezra kind of just did that call out and was like, "Thrawn came here. He awoke these crazy broads and made a deal with them. And I think that deal was to take the the dead from uh, the Night Sisters from Peridia and take them back to reestablish a colony on Dathmere. And I think that was the whole thing between Thrawn is I need to use your dark magic I'll give you a lift back to Dathomir and you guys can do your thing. Because those witches do not want to be on Peridia. I think Balin made that perfectly clear. There's something else here that everyone else wants the hell out of here.
2: Yes, I I totally agree.
0: Okay, so so the the zombies seem to work. Chris, I know you love... There are two things that you love. Uh, you love um, hurting people who are shorter than you, and you love um, intense uh, Star Wars battles. Um, so how, how did the Ahsoka Morgan battle go for you?
1: Uh, I mean, I... I thought, it was, I thought it was okay. I mean, I'm not... We've seen it before, them fighting... I mean, Morgan is, you know, she's, she's pretty, uh, good with her, her sword skills and her, you know, weaponry and, and all that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I think in, you know, I was invested in the, in the episode and I thought, you know, it was a good, good battle between the two. Um, I wish Ahsoka took her out a little bit (laughs) more graphically, (laughs) like, um, just another side swipe or, you know lightsaber swipe to the, the midsection and then they're dead. I mean, is that how, but then, you know, they get, people get impaled by lightsabers and they don't die. Um, <laughs> That's true. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was good. I thought, I thought the, um the, the sword of Talzin was going to be like a much bigger level up power upgrade for uh, morgan but um apparently not so um still good good choreography you know everything looks really really well done and visually i thought it you know i thought it was right on point um worked within the the storyline but yeah i th- I, th- I think the uh the mortal combat finish finish her scene could have been a little bit better <laughs> i
0: do like though that Ahsoka seemed to, well, so Ahsoka lost a blade in that battle, yeah. which was interesting, but then she managed to take the sword away from Morgan and then kill Morgan with the saber and the blade. Yeah. So I thought that was a pretty cool move.
1: So that's, so. yeah, that, that's probably, you know, that was what she needed, um, to, uh, to take her out, getting, uh, hit with the, with the, uh, the sword of Talzin. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just uh I guess I got to rewatch it again.
4: It was a similar move that she uh defeated Anakin with in the world between worlds when she'd lost her saber and then you know managed to get Anakin's saber from him.
0: That's interesting. It's good, I didn't even pick up. Back. Yeah. Nice. Um, okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pose this to FJ, and then um, I'd like uh, some of you to chime in as well too. You know, if you have any thoughts on this one, because uh, this is a this is a big question. Um, so the big villain of the series appears to be Thrawn. I say appears to be because um, we know Dave Filoni, and he likes to take us down paths that that seem to look like a straight line, and then they have all these bends, and they kind of lead in different directions. And we saw that with Agent Callus and some other characters as well too. Um, but so FJ, what was how did you feel about Thrawn um, as as being the villain? Do you feel like he matched what you saw in Rebels? And if you read, you know, some of the uh, the Timothy Zahn novels or even *Heir to the Empire*, did he did he feel like Thrawn to you? Um, and if so, like were there any traits that really stuck out to you, or anything that you you didn't like with him?
3: I I think the the voice, the acting, um, he was great, and he felt like the cartoon. To me, um, I don't—at least as of now. I, I, that can change, as because like, I think this was just, was just his setup and reentry. But as of now, I didn't feel like he was as menacing and as stress-inducing as the the of the original novels, or even the Thrawn in the um, in Rebels. Like to me, I think like Balin was more terrifying and menacing and intriguing. Um, that's why I was a little disappointed he wasn't as, as really in the finale. Um, I think, and now with him being gone, I don't know what, what's going to happen there in real life. But um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying I was disappointed in Thrawn. And I, I, I think there's way more to come that once he's back in the regular galaxy, but um, he, it's, I'm kind of in the middle with him. I, I think he looked great. He sounded great. Um, but I, I just wanted him to be a little more cunning and more sinister. Um, yeah. I don't know if that's really a a direct answer.
0: No, that's a, that's a really, I think you make two really good points, um, that maybe we don't get to see enough of Thrawn. Um, I, I think in some ways we almost have to look at this first season of Ahsoka as almost, season zero of a larger story just to get everybody kind of up to yeah, up to date up. yeah and then but i think you also make a really good point too that in especially in in losing balin in the in the finale for the most part you know where he didn't appear until the very last scene um i i think we lost something really key to the story i think we were, we were on this path with Balin and Shin, and then, you know, they were they were the ones that really started the season for us, and then they just disappeared. Well, that's why I wonder if, if there
3: will be a season two, and if that, like, I almost see it as we just got set up with two different stories, and Thrawn is on his way back to the galaxy, and maybe that will start the sort of, like, pseudo-Heir to the Empire story. And Ahsoka, Sabine, Balin, Shin are all going to be in this new galaxy now, exploring, like, you know, the Mortis arc and, um, and not really being part of the other story. Because there was something Ahsoka said at the end, she said to Sabine, it's time to move on. And I know she meant like it's, you know, the little snail people and they're all moving on. But I, I saw a deeper meaning to that. Like it's time to move on from that. And now we're moving on to this. Maybe we'll see more of Balin, although he'll have to be recast, I guess, obviously. But um, which is such a shame because Ray is amazing. It was amazing. But um yeah, I I so I kind of maybe see it it's going in two very different directions.
1: I can I can see Ahsoka season two, it it's all on like it's her storyline and Sabine's and maybe not bouncing back and forth, you know, to the other galaxy, um, you know, to see what Hera and, and Ezra and stuff are up to. I could see it maybe more focusing on that trajectory, you know, their characters and then potentially um, Ezra and Hera and Zeb and stuff are involved with maybe another project or with the Mando, you know, maybe there's more interaction there and uh, you know, then those different storylines are what's going to culminate in um in the the big movie or whatever they're leading up to,
4: I think Ahsoka the the, the season was a bridge. It was a bridge to, you know, two two different storylines, like we're saying. And I I don't think they're going to call another. I don't think it's going to be Ahsoka episode two. It might be called something completely different. There might be two seasons of completely different things. But I think you have, um, I think this setup two very different storylines as we said you have the 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 the, the mystical storyline with the force with with sabine and 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 ahsoka and balan and the mortis arc or whatever and then you have you know the more conventional warfare that's going to take place in the galaxy that you know, Thrawn just came back to where, you know, Luke and Grogu and the Mandalorian are and Boba Fett. And um so I, I think that makes it exciting because I think there's a lot that still has to happen before you get to Thrawn invading the galaxy. Because obviously whatever he's got in those containers, you know, he's got to go to Darth Amir to do something with them. So that's going to take a while. And then... You know, you still got Balin who's still gonna wake up, whoever he's gonna wake up, and you know, they're gonna try to get to he's gonna try to bring it to the 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 main universe or the, the universe that we're used to. And that's gonna take a while. So I mean I think you have and then you've gotta do the battle with Thrawn, and you've gotta do the battle with you know whoever bail in, you know, let's just say it. It's Abeloth. Um <laughs> uh, he's, he's gotta he's gotta raise her and then he's gotta try to bring her to the galaxy. And obviously Ahsoka and Sabine and are gonna are gonna fight against her and she'll probably still make it to the galaxy. And I, I, I think there's a lot that still has to happen before, you know, there's the main movie. So I think there's plenty of room for multiple seasons of stuff because there's a lot that still has to go on.
5: I'm going to jump back to your original question there, David, on Thrawn. Thrawn worked for me overall. I will say as somebody who read Heir to the Empire in 91, and then a year later listened to Mark Thompson read it, those were two very different Thrawns to me. Hearing the voice, seeing the action – kind of downplayed some of the cunning that you felt from Thrawn while you were reading Thrawn. Jump to when he was in Rebels. He seemed more involved. He wasn't afraid to go out on the battlefield and lead. It wasn't just, I'm going to watch this from a screen and let everyone else do it. However, I will say that phone call to Ahsoka at the end was classic Thrawn. You think you won, but I actually won and you don't have a shot. See ya.
0: Boom. Gone. (laughs) And she basically said, I've never met you. And he he said to her, I've never met you in person, but I know exactly how you think because I know your master inside and out. Okay. So as we wrap this up, um, I, I think I'd like to hear from each of you just to see where you think the Ahsoka series is going to go. Um Fonz, I, I know you know you laid it out um pretty nicely so far. And I think I think it's a very interesting take um that you think a lot of the action for this if they go into another season would be uh more focused on Peridia. Um and I, I I think in some way that, that's kind of necessary. I think they need to to pick one spot and then just really focus and build the the characters and develop them that way. But, um, I can see it going back and forth as well too. So again, I'm going to leave it up to you guys. What do you think?
3: I agree with Fonz. I don't, I think that, I don't think we're going to necessarily see baby Ahsoka or Sabine, even in the Filoni movie, even though that's his girl, (laughs) but I, I, I I could see us just, you know, exploring this new galaxy more and that's going to be the direction it can go in. um, so that's kind of where I think maybe it might happen.
0: Did you say, though, that you didn't think we were going to see Sabine and Ahsoka in the Filoni movie?
3: I, I think it's possibility. I don't know if they, if this could be something completely new Star Wars they explore. Like, you know, this is the galaxy. I mean, we only saw one planet on this galaxy, right? So um, maybe this will be a whole new direction that Star Wars can go in. Um, or maybe Ahsoka comes back and then there's new characters that they meet and then that takes it further. I don't know. There's a lot of ways it can go.
1: I think um, if if we do ultimately focus more on ah- Ahsoka's story in Ahsoka Season 2, uh, I think this whole um, Paridia uh, and what it means to... The force, and uh, is it the birthplace of the force? You know, what's we've got the 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 mortis, um, tri, you know, tri, uh, tritium. You know, the 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 father, the son, and the daughter in statue form. There, like, what is this all about? What is Balin, um, trying to unearth? Is it, you know, what fawns? spoke about Abeloth, um, is, you know, his relationship with the shin going to get, uh, revived. Is she going to end up joining Ahsoka and Sabine? Um, who knows? I just think they're going to delve really into the, the, the depths of the force and find ways to unlock maybe some things within the force that have never, you know, we've never seen in this era of Star Wars, you know, um, abilities that were in use, you know, twenty thousand years, you know, prior to, um, I, you know, that's the type of stuff I want to see, um, but who knows? Who knows where they'll go?
5: Um, I guess I would say. I think they're going to do classic Star Wars and I think they're going to divide it up. Um, I would hope they didn't. Um, I would like a full-on series about... uh, Me and Fonz have kind of talked off board, just me and him. Um, I think we're in the same boat. I think Peridia is a prison. Uh, I think that the Trinity, the the father, the daughter, and the son kind of had to put Abeloth away. Um, I fear that unless that's done right, though, that's going to confuse the hell out of people. Um, people who didn't read legends and even understand who or what Abeloth is. So very very quickly, in like a sentence or two, what is Abeloth? Abeloth is, the, okay, the mother. I can just sum it up and say she's the mother. She has the power to destroy the three they saw her as that much of a threat they had to put her away
4: well balen talks about you know he wants to start from the beginning so you've got to have a threat that can destroy the galaxy that you know we've all known for the last 40 years so what can do that? I, I would say, you know, Avaloth, and I only learned about Avaloth Af- like a year and a half ago. I mean, I was online and they were like, Oh, the, the most powerful, you know, evil force God that you don't know. And I was like, well, who's that? And so I read the story about Avaloth. I was like, Oh, I don't even know who she is. Cause I never read those books. I, I, I stopped reading after, you know, the use and Vong. I think that's when I stopped reading the legend books, but, uh, um, I think it makes a lot of sense uh, that it's her only because, you know, there are, there are, there are references in Wikipedia about Abeloth and about Ashla. And, you know, we, as we know, uh, the original name of Ahsoka was Ashla. Um, and I, I really tried to research and find out what Ashla had to do with Abeloth, but I, I couldn't find much about that. Um, like I said, I didn't read the book. So, um, I think, uh, I think it makes sense because I think Anakin, I'm just going to give you my prediction. I, I think Anakin is the father. I think, uh, uh, he was the chosen one. And even the, cause the, that's what happened in the Mortis arc. And, Maybe, you know, he said he didn't want to be the father, but, well, when you die, you know, and the father has chosen you, you're probably going to be the father. And the fact that he was able to, to um, go between being Darth Vader and being Anakin Skywalker so easily when he was dealing with Ahsoka, I think um, that shows that he has, you know, both sides of the force, that he's, he's, he's the one in the middle. Um, and... I think um uh Abeloth was uh contained by the 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 son and the daughter. And when the son and the daughter and the father were killed, now she's kind of been unleashed on the galaxy, and she started to call to Balin and drive him nuts. And uh she's going to um uh, she's going to be met by the 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 father who's Anakin, the 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 daughter who's Ahsoka, because so the 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 father, the daughter, and the son were the only ones that could contain her. And they would they would trap her on different planets, and the planets would become you know completely dead of life. Which if you look at Peridia, it was pretty dead of life. Um, so I think. You know, I think I think you're going to see Anakin – I don't know who the son's going to be, maybe Balin, um, but I think you're going to see Anakin as the father and uh, Ahsoka, obviously, as the daughter, and they're going to battle Abeloth and try to prevent her from coming to the galaxy.
0: It, it's interesting because um, at this point, I know Dave Filoni has said that uh, a film will come, but a film is going to come out of something – out of a, a moment – um, I guess you can kind of, you know, make the parallel to uh, to the Avengers film with something like Thanos. Um, but there's going to, I think he was basically kind of teasing, like there has to be something really momentous that shakes up everything in order to bring all of the heroes, say, of the Mandoverse together. Um, so something like that could be. Um, I think that's that's a, uh, I think that's a really interesting one. And it could also be, you know, if Thrawn is not meant to be the big bad. Of the entire series maybe then you know a character like abeloth is um and maybe that's what gets thrown to be more like he is in the in the novels where he's he's kind of on his own path and he's, he's working with the empire and maybe for the empire but he's also doing his own thing so um this might kind of bring him more into the middle um before we go i just i think uh everyone has has kind of said where they they think it's going to go except for Clifton. So Clifton, what's your take on this?
2: I feel it's a prison as well, and it's also a place to learn. Um, Obviously, you know, you've got Ahsoka and you have uh, Sabine, and they're going to be able to learn how to work together because Ezra, he grew so much. How long were they there, 10 years, Thrawn and Ezra? Nine or yeah. ten, yeah. yeah. Nine or ten. So, you know, just depending on how long that they're gonna be there, they're gonna grow just because they have so much time to themselves. And uh I, I feel it like uh Will said, it it is a prison, but uh we're gonna see a lot of growth in in uh Sabine and Ahsoka.
0: Okay, these are all really interesting takes. Um I think Dave Filoni and all the people who have worked on Clone Wars, Rebels, and now Ahsoka would love to hear these conversations like this, you know, and and would be really happy to know that we're not only talking about this stuff, but that really in a lot of ways, the the possibilities are endless. They have opened a completely, you know, a larger door into the universe of Star Wars, especially as we're now hopping across to another galaxy. Um, Okay, so to, to end very quickly, um, I want to ask each of you and we'll start with Chris um, Chris what is what is one word to describe how you felt after seeing Anakin on Peridia?
1: Joyous. Clifton
2: I enjoyed it.
0: FJ a, a
3: tear of uh, one word I was going to say tear of happiness, but just happiness yeah.
0: Okay, hey that that works. And well I think I think Tears of Happiness is good because I think you're right, it's sort of a a bittersweet happiness. Um and, and just and something really emotional. Um Fonz. I thought he
5: was the father. Ah, okay. All right, father, father, that's a good one. And Will. Proud. Proud of both Anakin and Hayden Christensen.
0: Yeah, Hayden Christensen did a great job in this one. Um it's so nice to see Anakin and and especially the Anakin that we knew from the Clone Wars, you know, where he had a really great relationship with with Ahsoka. Um I tried to think of a word and and the one that came out for me was was hope. You know that there's there's hope for Sabine and, and Ahsoka even though they're stranded. Um there's hope for the future of Star Wars as well. Uh and just just, you know, hope is really what a lot of Star Wars is built upon. So I I think that was um it was a great way to end it. Um, and really, I'm so glad that we had this uh, Ahsoka Roundtable, AhsokaHolics Roundtable discussion on this as well, too. Um, it's nice to hear all of your thoughts on this, and, and I look forward to uh, to future conversations with you guys as well. But um, I love you all. Uh, again, Chris Letty, Clifton Boggs, FJD Robertus. Bons Napolitano and Will Russ, uh, you guys are, are awesome, and I, I thank you for the years of friendship that we've had, and just the uh, the, the nonstop conversations that we've had about Ahsoka, about the, you know the Ahsoka series, um, and about our love for for Star Wars collecting and and and
1: our, our friendship. Right back at you. Thank
0: Thanks, you very David. much,
2: David.
5: Likewise, David. Love you guys. Love you too.